the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Will there be music? In case you missed it, the Democrats are putting on a primetime show tonight, uh, produced by a, a real producer from Good Morning America on ABC. They're calling it a hearing. Of course, at a hearing, testimony is given by witnesses who are questioned by people who should be looking for the truth. And usually when it's a congressional hearing, Republicans and Democrats take their turns asking questions. But for the show tonight, they're using fake Republicans like Lynn Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, who won't be in office at this time next year, by the way. And will you know, they're going to be working for either CNN or MSNBC. But uh, it's prime time tonight. And you can't be boring in prime time. Come on, it's 8 o'clock. So I'm guessing there's going to be a band to play, you know, when each witness comes out on stage. And I'm hearing that uh, Nancy Pelosi is going to be doing the opening monologue, you know, open the show up, uh, maybe do a couple of drunk driving jokes uh, to loosen up the crowd. Adam Schiff uh, apparently is scheduled to do some impersonations. I hear one of his really strong ones is his impersonation of a man. That should be good. Uh, Bernie Sanders will be in charge of handing out the parting gifts. They'll be free, of course. And as you know, parting gifts are actually a human right. Uh, Eric Swalwell is scheduled to appear. He apparently is going to be offering recipes for baked beans. Uh, let's see. Uh, Stacey Abrams will be there. Apparently she's put together a, a tribute to the, uh, the wonderful artist Izzo, who weighs about 600 pounds. So that should be good. Uh, Sandy Cortez and the Squad. They have a musical tribute to the Supremes planned, I'm told. So it should be a very entertaining night with lots of surprises. Don't fail to miss it. It's on all the networks, by the way, except Fox. And when we come back, we'll talk to our media expert, Jeff McCall, about that decision by Fox. And coming up in the second half hour, we are going to talk to a writer from San Francisco about actual evidence that the people living there are beginning to wise up. Stick around. In 2008, I wrote the book, The Dumbest Generation. This is Mark Bauerlein. My first book chronicled the millennials who spent time staring at screens with extravagant hopes of a high-tech future. They were confident, optimistic, ambitious. Technology was to make millennials the smartest generation. In truth, it robbed them of faith, patriotism, history, art, literature, civics. The mentors didn't give them beauty and truth and greatness. Instead, millennials have looked for answers in utopian dreams of perfect justice and universal happiness that will only disappoint them. At age 30, they go for cancel culture. My new book, The Dumbest Generation Grows Up, From Stupefied Youth to Dangerous Adults, lays out the wreckage and shows how to rescue the next generation. If you'd like to learn more about my work, listen to my podcast at First Things Magazine, www.firstthings.com, www.firstthings.com. From best-selling author Mark Bauerlein, get the essential new book, The Demos Generation Grows Up, available wherever books are sold. Balance of Nature, changing the world one life at a time. Honestly, love the product. It gives me energy, and it's not just in your mind. It makes you feel good. I mean, it really does. I'm somewhat good about eating. Well, I eat a lot of fruit, but I'm not not quite as good at the vegetables, although I do, you know, salads and we do, you know, different vegetables. But nobody can get the variety that these have in it. And that's, I think, I, I don't know, it, it just makes me, it gives me energy. It truly does. And I like that feeling. It's just an, an absolutely fantastic product. Start your journey to better health with Balance of Nature right now. Call 1-800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com for more information or to place your order. Shipping is always free. And don't forget to get 35% off your first order as a preferred customer by using discount code BALANCE. 
make a difference in your life that impacts you for years to come by traveling to Israel this year. Sign up today for the thrill and excitement of visiting the Holy Land this November with nationally syndicated media host Dr. Sebastian Gorka and renowned author and filmmaker Dinesh D'Souza. Visit StandWithIsraelTour.com for details and to register. On the tour, you'll step into history with mouth-watering cuisine, picturesque scenes, and magnificent people while visiting over 40 iconic sites and sacred places you've only read and heard about for years. Pray at the Western Wall in Jerusalem, float in the mineral-rich Dead Sea, and take a boat onto the middle of the Sea of Galilee as you experience something transforming in your life. Call 855-565-5519 to reserve your spot. Again, visit StandWithIsraelTour.com to book your trip today. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3390 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3390. Enjoy. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. I don't know what you're going to be watching tonight at 8 o'clock, but I'll be watching Tucker Carlson. Uh, Every other network will be carrying the Democrats' TV production about January 6th. Uh, I have my reasons for not watching, but what about Fox's decision not to carry it? A good question for our go-to guy on the media, Jeffrey McCall, professor of communications at DePaul University and a media critic for The Hill. He joins us now. Jeff, thanks for coming on again. Oh, you're welcome. So I uh, I don't like to abuse your willingness to come on because I love having you on, but uh, you were only on, you were just on last week, but... Uh, this is too. This is too good not to talk about. Um, you bet. So I wanted to get your take on this. Uh, Fox is, <clears throat> excuse me. Fox is taking a, a ton of criticism from the rest of the media for their decision not to cover this tonight. Is it deserved? Do you think? No, I don't think so. I mean, every organization, every news outlet should make its own decisions on what they think their audience is going to want. And Fox clearly knows that its audience is not that interested in watching this kind of Stalinist type of uh, show trial go on. Uh, which is kind of what it's going to be. And so I think uh, Fox is making a, a, an appropriate decision. It's their decision to make. And frankly, I'm surprised all these other news outlets are going wall-to-wall with this thing, too, because there's no counter-programming there, for example, and they're all going to be just trying to basically step on each other to try to claim that they're the ones most interested in the truth and that sort of thing. And so, I mean, I guess I think that uh, this is the kind of hearing that C-SPAN was designed for, and I don't know that it has any broad relevance beyond kind of the showmanship that's going to happen there. You know, uh, I, uh, about 100 years ago, there was an English philosopher named G.K. Chesterton who wrote, it is precisely because political speeches are meant to be reported that they are not worth reporting. And that's exactly what we're going to have with this hearing tonight. It's because it's designed as a media show trial is why it should not be reported as a media show trial. And that's, I think, too bad. You know, when you have a trial, you have two sides to an argument. When you have a debate, you have two sides to an argument. This thing tonight is not going to have two sides to anything, which means that it's basically going to be spin or propaganda. Um, And it's going to be a lot of self-promotion from the people on this committee, which would include the, the two Republicans, uh, that you have on there that were not even approved by, you know, the minority leader of the House. But Benny Thompson, Adam Schiff, those guys are going to be up there showing off. And Adam Schiff, I think, is the most interesting guy to watch in this because he should, he should have no credibility at all 
after the two years he stomped around with Russia collusion and talked about evidence and plain sight and all the witnesses he had lined up that turned out to be nothing. And so that's what we're going to have. And so I guess I would say Fox is going its own way. Uh, but the, for the establishment media, they think everybody has to be, you know, beholding to the group think that they're all involved in. And I might say one other thing. Fox is not completely abandoning the thing because Fox business is planning to carry it, last yeah. I heard. Yeah. So was it more of a business decision than a journalism decision, do you think? Well, I, I think it's both, actually. I think they realize that this is not going to be a particularly news uh, kind of thing because there's not going to be any counterpoint to it. Um, and, you know, just a little while ago on Fox Business, uh, they were interviewing uh, Jim Banks, who's a congressman from uh, around Fort Wayne, Indiana. And, they, and he was one of the people that uh, McCarthy wanted on there to represent the Republicans on this committee. Uh, but he was thrown off along with the other Republican appointees. Uh, but anyway, uh, they asked Jim Banks, well, what would you ask tonight if you were going to be part of this hearing? And he said, well, the first thing he'd ask is why Nancy Pelosi didn't more, do more to secure the Capitol that day when she knew full well that there was potential for up unrest on that day. And the fact that they didn't do it or take it seriously at a certain point is on them. And you know that that question is not going to come up this evening. No, no. Um, and, and, and what do you think this is going to do for Tucker Carlson's ratings? Being the, being, well, he, obviously he has great ratings every night, and he's number one every night. Um, is, it, is he actually going to do better tonight because he's going to be the alternative to all this stuff? I think that's a great question, and, and it's a little hard to say because, you know, he, as you said, he does have great ratings every night, uh, and it's possible he'll just kind of pull in the usual people who watch him. But it's also possible, given that if you're interested in anything else, that you'll be scared off of it. Uh, and it might be that he will attract an additional audience and otherwise than he'd normally get, because both curiosity seekers, for one thing, but also people who are wanting to say, I don't want to look necessarily at kind of the spin cycle. I want to see what somebody else, a contrarian, so to speak, is going to talk about uh, with regard to this particular story, because I'm sure Tucker is going to talk about this pretty much, maybe his whole show, uh, kind of as counter-programming. So it's possible, uh, I, I guess I wouldn't go out on a limb to predict this, but I think it's plausible and maybe even likely that he will get a little bigger audience than he normally gets. Yeah, and uh, he is planning to, I, I don't know if it's the whole hour, but I'm pretty sure it is, I, I, I believe he is planning to just present the other side of the story from his perspective mm -hmm. uh, tonight, that, and it's going to be different from everything that's going to be on the, uh, the the Democrats show, which is on all the other networks. Um, <clears throat> Dean Abadalla, Ab Abidala, he's an MSNBC opinion columnist. He writes that uh, Fox has been um, putting out mis- and uh, disinformation since immediately after the 2020 election, meaning, of course, that any amount of skepticism about the results of the 2020 uh, election is disinformation, and that's the, you're, you're, that, that's the way the media seems to portray this, isn't it, Jeff? That uh, it's just they'll say Donald Trump uh, was speaking of uh, possible fraud in the election, which has been debunked. I mean, they, it's never you never get that sentence out without a reference to the fact that there's no basis for it. It's been debunked and that kind of thing. Yeah, and you know, again, this is part of the group think of the establishment media, and I, I just don't know that there's anywhere to go with that. You know, two years after, or almost two years after the election now, and I think that we're kind of at the point where the the people who want to move on and just kind of like pretend that there was no election irregularity have already made up their minds, and the people who are convinced that there was election irregularity are kind of of that mind too. So, I mean, I'm not sure where we go with this debate unless somebody does some hard reporting and digging and comes up with actual facts to try to demonstrate where there were problems or to prove that there were no problems. And that's what I guess I would say the establishment media should do is like, hey, if you were convinced that this election was so perfectly pure and without irregularity, why don't you do some digging and try to prove to everybody that there wasn't rather than just say, well, the votes are counted, that's the end of the deal here, because as you remember, Joe Stalin used to say it doesn't matter who votes, it only mounts matters who counts the votes and that's kind of where we are with this situation it only matters who counted the votes 
and we are where we are. And I'm not, you know, I'm not going to go out and say, oh, you know, Biden's illegitimate because he's already sworn in and, you know, we're two years down the road. But I think people have kind of made up their minds on where they're going to go with this. And that's, I think, one of the problems here with this, this hearing tonight is that I think they're really trying to go back and try to just, you know, rub its sores and try to point fingers and create political enemies and that sort of thing. And, uh, and I mean, and that's the bottom line. I don't know that, I mean, let, let's face it, what happened on that January 6th was a bad thing, okay? Yep. But there are a lot of complications, and it, it's, it's not easy, easily said like, oh, anybody showed up is a terrorist or insurrectionist or whatever, because there were a lot of people there who were not necessarily trying to do destruction. They didn't harm anybody. Uh, there was a poor woman from Bloomfield, Indiana, which is down the road from where I live, um, who was there with some friends. The door of the Capitol was open. She walked in. A policeman was holding the door open for her, <laughs> and she walked in and then got prosecuted and had to plead guilty because she was inside. But I'm thinking, that's more typical of what happened that day. And the people who really did destroy property or broke windows or pushed policemen and that kind of stuff, they, they need to be prosecuted. But I don't think that means that we need to suddenly say that the democracy is at risk until, you know, Adam Schiff and Benny Thompson run their committee process. Well, do you think that the lady from uh, Bloomington, Indiana, would make uh, a pretty nice witness tonight? Interesting well, she, witness? <laughs> yeah, she would make an interesting one. Because she would just say, hey, I was there, I went to Trump's speech, I walked to the Capitol, the door was open, and I walked in, and uh, that's all they have on her. I mean, again, technically she was trespassing, and she's, you know, served her penalty and whatnot, but, uh, again, most of the people in that crowd uh, were not necessarily going to try to overthrow the government. They weren't, well, they didn't have weapons, they didn't attack police or anything like that, and I think it's kind of like, yeah, this was bad, but let's not make it worse than it is and at a certain point we need to move on from that i mean it's two years later and you know biden talked about being the big unifier but then uh, he hasn't really followed through in trying to do things that unify and i think even he could play a role on this you know to try to get the the people who are managing this house committee to say hey let, let's get some evidence let's let but let's get this over with and let's not drag this out and make it a big show of political force which is really what it is because at a certain point that becomes dangerous. Yeah, well, you know, <clears throat> when you spend 11 months on this, whatever it is, and uh, you decide to put it on all the networks in prime time, don't you uh, risk um, not being able to live up to the expectations? They better have something pretty big tonight, shouldn't they, to, to, to show that it was worthy of prime time? Oh, yeah, especially with all of the manipulative programming and the... Uh you know, the television news executive who's the head producer of this and everything, uh, they better come with something. And I mean, although I must say, you know, the media was very forgiving for two years during Russia collusion investigations and kept thinking that something was going to happen, even though it never did. And so it could be that there's all, be a, you know, a big disappointment coming tonight from the, the, the people on the left who hope that this is going to be the end of Trumpism or MAGA or whatever. But I really think, though, that they... If they had something really big, I, I guess my instinct is maybe they would have already told us by now or it would have leaked out that, you know, everybody must tune in to see the big smoking gun. I'm sure they've got video of people pushing down police barricades, and I'm sure they've got video of people breaking windows. Uh, and I'm thinking, yeah, that's fine, but we kind of already know that. And I think that's the question. Is there anything new that they can show us, or is this just trying to grandstand on television uh, and kind of browbeat the establishment networks into carrying something that they may be, you know, that's an interesting thing. I'm not sure that these networks are all that devoted to kind of to wanting to cover this thing, but I think they were afraid of being shamed and embarrassed like Fox is trying to be, you know, uh, embarrassed and shamed for not carrying it because I'm just not sure that this is the same kind of thing. I remember the Watergate hearings, okay, back in the day. Those were all during the day. Uh, and you had a sitting president that they were investigating at the time. And I think that's one of the issues here. It's like we're investigating a guy who's been out of office for a year and a half. And I just don't know that this rises to the, to the level of needing national media attention across all major broadcast platforms. Yeah, they, um, they've, they better produce because, as you said, this is something that should be on C-SPAN. 
uh, or it should be something that's on at 10 o'clock in the morning. And if you, first of all, I don't know if CBS and NBC and ABC are going to be televising this, or I'm guessing ABC is going to be knocking out primetime programming, and that always makes people mad. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it'll just be chasing people to Netflix and YouTube probably. Yeah, right, but my right. guess is a lot of people are not going to say, oh, this is really important, because like I said before, most people have their minds made up on this. So it's not like most people are going to sit still for two or three hours and watching Benny Thompson and Liz Cheney you know, grandstand to say, oh, this is really important. I now know something, or I have a different opinion than I had before. See, that'll be interesting for the public opinion posters, and uh, I'm sure Rasmussen and those kind of organizations are going to be on this to kind of find out for the people who watch this, did their opinions change? Yeah. And I think, I think likely most people's opinions will not change because, heaven's sakes, we know the 2016 election uh, was controversial, and 50% of all Democrats still believe that Trump was an illegitimate president and that Hillary actually won. So, I mean, th- that's five and a half years later, and people still haven't changed their mind. Yeah. Only 21% of Republicans, um, I, I saw this today, consider January 6th an insurrection. And January 6th is way down on the list of things that people care about in uh, coming up in November. So is this just nothing more than Fox knowing and respecting its audience? We talked about that earlier, but still, the numbers show that uh, it was almost a no-brainer for Fox to not cover it. Oh, I think so, yeah. And I think if Fox had caved and put it on the big channel, I think a lot of their loyal viewers would have said, forget that, I'm watching OAN tonight, or uh, I'm just going to not watch TV tonight. And Fox you know, doesn't want to alienate those kind of loyal viewers. And again, these loyal viewers are all, all, are all not you know, conspiracy theorists and kooks, but they're people who just have their own ideas and opinions, and Fox needs to respect that, I think. And, and here's the thing. These, these channels are all trying to kind of bandwagon this thing, and they're, they're injecting the emotional kind of appeal of this entire committee. I mean, this whole committee's, you know, method of operation has been to eject emotion and anger uh, yeah, again, by calling all the people who are there insurrectionists, when we, we know most of them were not insurrectionists. It, no doubt there were a few people who were there thinking that they were going to somehow stop the Electoral College or something like that. But most people were not there. But I do think that all these, all, that this entire process has been injected with emotion, and we know that that is not a good way to run a government. At some point, you need people to reasonably debate and argue, but when Nancy Pelosi kicked off the Republican appointees to that committee, she yeah. guaranteed that there was going to be no reason debate. She guaranteed that it was going to be an emotional sideshow. We're finishing up here with Jeff McCall. He's professor of communications at the Paul University and a media critic for The Hill. And I, I guess I should uh, uh, disclose that you also have done some work for Fox, uh, foxnews.com. So, uh, That's true. Yeah, so, but, um, so just so people know. Um, so, uh, Jeff, would you expect the cheerleading by the other networks to be um, unbecoming, approaching, embarrassing tonight? <laughs> well, probably so. Um, you know, th- that'll be interesting to see who they get to try to host these things and the analysis afterwards, because my guess is they're probably going to have a lot of people with very pointed opinions, and they're going to probably try to create the case, you know, that it was an insurrection. And also, and th- 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 we haven't talked about this really, but I think a lot of this is going to be to try to portray that Trump was the leader of this, that somehow behind the scenes he was an orchestrator or in his speech out on the mall that he somehow uh, inspired people to go off and do this thing. Because when you get right down to it, I I think most people know that this this whole committee is trying to tarnish Trump and diminish his ability to ever run again. Um, And so I think that's kind of one of the things we need to look for but I, I'll be interested to see if they try to take off on Trump tonight, because, and I presume they will. But I think everybody needs to keep in mind that the incitement standard is very high in terms of uh, in, in, you know, interrupting somebody's free speech rights. And I know a lot of people have said, well, Trump inspired or Trump incited the violence at the Capitol that day. But if you look word for word through his speech that he gave, 
you know, it would be very hard for a court to say that was the incitement. That was not yelling fire in the crowded theater. No. Uh, no, no, I mean, he, he was impassioned, and he talked about going to the Capitol, and he used the word fight, you know, at various points. But, you know, he didn't say anything specifically about violence. He didn't say anything specifically about breaching the Capitol. And so the people who misinterpreted that, you know, it's kind of that's on them. But uh, in terms, of, from a legal standpoint, in terms of First Amendment freedoms, uh, the incitement standard, was, in my opinion, was not met. Hey, Jeff, I'm out of time. I'm really glad you came on to uh, give us a little preview of what to expect tonight. And uh, I'm sure I'll talk to you again soon. I look forward to it. Thank you. Thank you. That's Jeffrey McCall, professor of communications at DePaul University. We'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. As the House Committee investigating the January 6, 2021 Capitol attack begins to reveal its findings at the first of several high-profile June hearings, Republicans are ramping up efforts to undermine the legitimacy of the panel's work. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy says the committee is illegitimate. Speaker Pelosi's select committee on January 6th is unlike any other committee in American history. In fact, it is the most political and least legitimate committee in American history. Indiana Congressman Jim Banks, the chairman of the Republican Study Committee, says it's not bipartisan, it's completely partisan. Minority Whip Steve Scalise says Democrats trying to avoid the hard questions related to the attack on the Capitol by making accusations of Republican members and voters. This is SRN News. Are you kidding me? Gas prices are up again? Somebody has to do something. Well, someone did. That's why I use Upside. Upside? What's that? It's a free app that pays you back real money for every gallon of gas or diesel you buy. I just earned 25 cents back on every gallon of this tank. Hold on. So the Upside app is free and you actually get cash back every time you use it? No strings attached? Yep, it's awesome. Check it out. It only takes a couple of minutes to sign up. Instead of just watching your dollars go into your tank, start putting money back into your wallet with the free app from Upside. With the price of gas today, it's big news and big money. To cash out of your Upside cash, just transfer it to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card. Upside users have already earned over $200 million. Now it's your turn. Download the free Upside app and start getting cash back in every gallon of gas. Use promo code SALEM for an extra $0.25 per gallon cash back in your first fill-up. That's promo code SALEM. Remember, use promo code SALEM for an extra 25 cents per gallon back in your first fill-up. Dennis Prager explains the left's utopia. A key to understanding the left is their aversion and fear of pain. The idea that life has pain built in is not something that people on the left have acknowledged. Pain should be abolished. And the abolition of pain creates immense pain. The Dennis Prager Show, weekdays at noon, right before Sebastian Gorka at 3 on AM 1250. The answer. Summer is almost here and the open road awaits. This is John Steigerwald and Pitt Cycles has what you're looking for. Choose from a huge selection of 136 models from Indian, Triumph, KTM, Royal Enfield, and more. Plus, some big exciting changes coming just around the bend. Get your trade in value in seconds at pitcycles.com and see just how easy easy it is to take your ride to a whole new level. Pit Cycles in Warrendale, next to Jurgles. Reserve now and beat the rush at PitCycles.com. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W223CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. Windows are When it's time to replace your roof, siding, gutters, and downspouts, entry doors, and, of course, windows, you can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for all your exterior home projects. Why pay double with some other companies? Windows R Us will always give you the best price on the best in-class products, backed by the best warranties in the industry, all with zero sales pressure. And speaking of zero... Right now, get zero interest financing for 12 months and no processing fee with prices set to increase on all exterior products. Lock in your quote today. Schedule a free estimate and inspection today at windowsarustpittsburgh.com. You've tried the rest, now try the best. windowsarustpittsburgh.com. Windows are us. 
in traffic? We've got the answer. On the Parkway West, the usual clogs inbound Green Tree to the Fort Pitt Tunnel and outbound Banksville Road to Carnegie. Parkway East inbound. Your downtown delays are from 2nd Avenue to the Fort Pitt Bridge. Outbound, it's heavy Boulevard of the Allies to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel, close to a 10-minute delay there. Also about an extra 10 minutes on Parkway North inbound, Reedsdale Street through to the Fort Pitt Bridge. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. Mainly clear skies expected for tonight. We'll see a nighttime low of 53. Some sunshine tomorrow, then turning cloudy. We'll reach a high tomorrow of 74. Cloudy skies for tomorrow night with a couple of showers and a low of 56. Saturday, a passing shower. Expect a thick cloud cover in the morning, then intervals of clouds and sun for the afternoon. Saturday's high, 73. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, the, uh, the night before last, voters in San Francisco showed that uh, they might not be as dumb as we think they are. At least uh, not all of them anyway. Enough showed up to bounce uh, their district attorney, Chesa Bodine. He was recalled and it wasn't close. Uh, the, sc- the vote was uh, better than 60 to 40. Erica Sandberg is a reporter for City Journal. She lives in San Francisco, and she joins us now. Erica, thanks for coming on the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So, um, what do you suppose? Uh, this is this is when I see these uh, results. Uh, my first response is, what do you suppose the forty percent who voted no on the recall recall liked about Bodine? You know, I mean, that's, that's a kind of a complicated question because some people simply don't like recalls. It's just that they don't think that that is a good thing to do. Let the person who was voted in uh, fulfill their what, what they were tasked to do, what they were elected to do. So I understand that. Um, but, the, but those people who voted no specifically because they think that Chesa Boudin is doing a fabulous job, that's a whole other story. So you'd have to you'd have to uh, kind of understand what they consider to be a positive influence um, in our communities. Uh, that would include a rising uh, crime rate, chaos, mayhem, uh, people moving out, people being hurt. I, I don't I don't understand that. That would be a very difficult thing to justify. What was the issue that, that finally got the voters to wake up? I know, I'm sure it was a combination of things, but is there one thing that was like the last straw? It really is just a matter of crime. I would say, strangely, the last straw would be property crime as opposed to violent crime, because most people don't actually experience violent crime. It happens. It's horrific. But what people have been facing here has been this sort of unstoppable uh, car break-ins, what we see in our, in our shops, constant shoplifting, pilfering, burglaries, people's dogs being stolen right off the leash, you name it. It's a free-for-all when it comes to criminals coming in, taking what they want, and leaving uh, without any repercussions. So I think that really has been the major the major breaking point for people. The other, the other is just seeing what's happening on our streets. And you can see that, you can see what the, the problems are when you go down to certain areas. Uh, the, the drug dealers, they are out in force. They sell what they want to sell out in the open. Zero consequences. Nothing is happening to them. And it's astonishing. So I think those two factors are the major uh, the major issues that cause people just to say, enough, we're done. Uh, so you live there in San Francisco. Um, do you think it's possible for someone like me, for example, who doesn't live there to really appreciate what's happened to the city? Or what's happening to the city? I, I say, sure. I mean, listen to the people who live here. Mm-hmm. Listen to the people who do sound like they're reasonable. I mean, we've got a lot of people who are just kind of out there and they've got their own ideology and it doesn't, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I think outsiders can certainly have a sense of 
of what we're going through. Um, and I also want to make this clear, is that San Francisco is an amazing city. I'm not just saying that. It truly is. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. It's special. The restaurants are amazing. It, it, it really has a lot going for it, which is why we as residents have really come together and said, we're done. We can't have it ruined. Yeah, I, I've i lived here most of my life in Pittsburgh, and I just, it's hard for me to imagine when I see some of the, the, the stuff with people actually leaving their windows in their car down so that somebody won't smash them in to see what's inside. And when I see the, the smash and grabs and, you know, the people going into Walgreens and, and L.A. and San Francisco and just taking whatever they want and leaving, I just have this feeling that it would not have lasted this long here in Pittsburgh. I, 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 that's just, uh, I can't prove that. And I, and I don't know what it is about San Francisco. It just seems to me that they put up with it a lot longer than they should have. Yes. I mean, I would, I would certainly agree with you. It took a, a long time for people to mobilize. Um, but once they did, it has been astonishing. I had never, I've been here almost all my life, 34 years. I have never seen this kind of excitement, this level of pulling together people from all different political persuasions, all different demographics, job occupations, you name it, ages. It doesn't really matter. People really came together on this. So I would say this is, um, it's, it's unprecedented. It's really exciting. So I'm, I'm optimistic right now, and I don't mean that things are going to change overnight. Of course they won't. Um, but it is, it's been pretty amazing. Uh, I went to the, to the party where we celebrated uh, the recall and I was looking around thinking, this is San Francisco. This is, it was, it represented all of us. So yeah, things are changing. We're talking to Erica Sandberg. She's a reporter for City Journal. Uh, you can see her piece at city-journal.org. And she does this. She says she lives in San Francisco. Um, so this guy who was uh, recalled, Chesa Boudin, uh, he is the son of actual domestic terrorists. I don't know how many people are aware of that outside of San Francisco. And his father is still in prison for murder. Um, what did this guy run on? And was that somehow considered a positive by San Francisco voters that that he understood the prison system and he was going to fix it? Is that Was that what he was selling? Well, it's not like he, he campaigned saying, my parents... Yeah. <laughs> are murderers, and you should vote for me because of it, right. um, or that contributed to the murder. Um, what he did was say, I understand what it's like to be raised in this situation, and I know how it is. And so he really attempted to get people's compassion going, like, oh, wow, this guy really knows. He understands really wants prison reform and um, you know, alternative types of sentencing so people don't have to go through the same type of experience that he had when he was a little boy and his parents were in jail. Okay. It tapped into people's sense of just kind of being good human beings, you know, that they, it's, a life in prison is no life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, and I think that really ingratiated him to some people. That's pretty scary. Quite frankly, I went, to, I, went, I went to the debates. And I was, I, in fact, I went with a very liberal friend of mine. And we both looked at each other. And I'm like, there's no way this guy's going to get elected. He's out of his mind. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I mean, I'm still stunned. So this would seem to be a blow, though, this, uh, this recall uh, uh, to the uh, decarceration movement, not only in San Francisco or California, but the country. Oh, God, I am so fed up with that. It's complete nonsense. It's complete nonsense. This whole idea that pe- that we have mass incarceration. You should take a look. There's nobody in jail in San Francisco. <laughs> I'm sorry. There just isn't. It would, it would be remarkably difficult to get somebody to actually spend time behind bars here. It's just not something that we do. We look at alternative types of sentencing, alternative types of, as I even call it punishment. We don't do punishment. What we do is we send people to classes. So uh, let's just say that you're caught selling drugs, you're selling narcotics on the street. You're the dealer. What does Chesa Boudin send them to classes for people who have substance use issues? They laugh. These people laugh. (laughs) This is ridiculous. Sure, I'll go to these classes. And they're back on the street doing exactly what they were doing. And how many of these people are here illegally and should have been uh, uh, deported? Uh, the people who deal on our streets openly, almost all. Almost all. They're typically, yeah, they're typically from Honduras. 
Um, there's a huge network. It's, it's run by gangs. Um, it's very orchestrated. It's very organized. It's brutal. It is a brutal life. I feel bad for these people. I don't know how they got involved. They're, you know, these aren't people who I have over for dinner. <laughs> Although I would, I would love to talk to them. Right. Um, but it's a, it's a brutal life. They stand out there on the corners in the cold, in the rain, in the wind, um, selling, selling junk to desperate people. How they can sleep at night, that's a whole different, that's a whole different issue. But um, we have two deaths a day, two overdose deaths a day from those dealers. Somebody made a really great point recently, which is imagine if somebody stood on a street corner with a gun and shot two people a day. And then we just said, oh, that's okay. That's okay. It's fine. We're, we're, we're doing okay with that. We would never do that. What's the difference? There isn't any. Now, um, is, is that the, the – is it the uh – is that a combination of things that creates the homeless uh, cities there with the tents and all that? Are those all are they mostly uh, drug addicts who should be taken off the street? And what are the chances of that being cleaned up with this guy out of there? Absolutely. I mean, I think this is it's one of the, the biggest misconceptions about people who live on our street, that these are impoverished people who are just here. They're down on their luck. They, they were one day they were in, in, a, in a lovely rented apartment. They had a job, they had a car, they had a wife. And now it all crumbled the next month or on the street. Mm-hmm. It is complete lies. That is, that is not what happens. Almost all of these people, these human beings have addiction issues or they have mental health issues or they have both. And very often they have both because one causes the other. So it is unconscionable that we just turned a blind eye to this and say, well, you know, this is what happens. Here's a tent. Because that's what it is. Our nonprofits just hand out tents. Here you go. Have a tent. So it's very frustrating to us to see this happen over and over again. And what's, again, exciting, though, is that people are changing their minds about it. They are seeing it for what it is. And I think that's really intimidating to the powers that be who really had a ride. They've been able to say, oh, my God, they're, they're, just, they're just poor. We just need to give more. And I think now they're scared because they can see that we're looking at it. And we know that's not the case. We know it. It's not just me, all of us. I don't care what who you vote for in terms of, you know, federal elections, you see what your local politicians are doing and what your city is doing. <laughs> you're looking at me going, okay, whatever it is that you're doing, you're doing it wrong because there's more people suffering on our streets than ever. Now, and, and you know, the, the word homeless um, is a relatively new term to describe people who you just described. They used to be, dis- uh, be known as bums. Or vag- mm-hmm. vagrants, and you're not allowed to refer to them as that because, as you said, uh, that is showing a lack of compassion because you're supposed to look at these people as uh, the examples you gave of poor people who just had things going on pretty well, and all of a sudden they lost their job, so they had to go out and buy a tent. That's just not the way it works. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's not. And it's interesting that you do focus, uh, that you mentioned the whole the word homeless. Yeah, that's something that a lot of people aren't aware of, that that's a relatively new term. And, we're, and, and what does the exact say? That it, what that implies, that word says, if they had a home, yeah. then they would be better. Yeah. What we saw, and this makes me so angry, um, but what we saw is what Governor Newsom did for, during the pandemic. He started Project Room Key, which was, oh, goodness, if all these people were just put in a hotel room, we can solve our problems. They won't get COVID. They'll be, they'll be, they'll be homed. They will have a home. I hate that word. They'll be homed. Like, like they're dogs. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Right. Okay. But they'll be, they died. So many died of overdoses alone because it didn't stop their behavior. No. And uh, it didn't address their, their underlying issues. 
So it's really, it's not a homeless issue. And I, I do wish that people would stop calling it that because yeah. it's not doing, it's not doing these human beings any good whatsoever. Well, you're never going to get away with calling them something other than homeless. You're not allowed to refer to them as vagrants. Uh, and because you're either supposed to be sympathetic toward them because they are just down on their luck or they're, they're addicts who deserve uh, help, both of which uh, are true to some degree. But um, anyway, before we go, and I'm finishing up here with Erica Sandberg of the City, of City Journal, you wrote that both, this is amazing to me, the San Francisco Chronicle and the San Francisco Examiner, two major newspapers, urged their readers to vote no on the recall. What was the case that they made for no? I think the primary case was that he was elected based okay. on what he said he was going to do, and he did what he said he was going to do. I can, uh, we, we can easily dispute that and say he said that he was going to make our community safer, and he didn't. Yeah, so uh, are they, were they just opposed to the, the concept of a recall more than they were uh, opposed to or in favor of just getting him out of there? I mean, it's it's really kind of hard to say. I would say that the, the case that they made was that he he is doing exactly what he said he was going to do, but he which is not true. Right. So um, yeah, I mean, I think that there's some there's some bias for him. Mm-hmm. You know what? What? I, I, it's very difficult for me to get into that mindset because sure. if you look at the impact in our communities, it's devastating. So how you can support it? That's it's. it's it's very odd. Is it possible that he's going to run again in November? I know I've heard that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think we haven't seen the last of Chester Boudin. So he's going to run again. Now, he has to get nominated. He, I mean, he has to go through the process. Can he actually overcome all this and show up again on the ballot? I think he's going to give it a whirl. I think that it's possible. The, the You know, I think it's going to be a laughable. It'll be a circus. So we'll we'll see how it goes, but I, I I can assure you that the people who gave him the boot will be there oh, yeah. loudly and and uh, very enthusiastically, making sure it doesn't happen. Well, you know, he would, if they do uh, reelect him, if he shows up again and gets one vote, uh, yeah, uh, that will be the most blatant example of you get what you vote for. If that guy ever becomes in. Uh, installed again in any position where he has an effect on the community. That's just stunning that, that he's not mm-hmm. just run out of town on a rail. If that's still possible. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is politics and if anything can happen. Um, but there are some amazing people who are going to be running and, uh, things are changing. I, I it's, they just are. Everything changes anyway. And so right now we're in a time of flux. Well, I'm uh, I'm out of time, Erica. I really appreciate you coming on. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you very much. Erica Sandberg, City Journal. We'll be right back. town is that Pittsburgh homeowners are choosing doing it right when it comes to their roofing, siding, and remodeling projects. That's because since 1984, doing it right roofing, siding, remodeling continues to set the bar through clear communication and an installation that's second to none. Doing it right employs only the most experienced professionals to install and oversee your project. They'll stop at nothing to ensure your satisfaction, doing business honestly, taking no money down, and no payment until the job is complete. Doing it right will ensure all work is installed to the industry's highest standards. Then, back it all up with their lifetime workmanship warranty. As a prestigious multi-award winning Owens Corning Platinum Contractor, as well as a VSI Certified Installation Contractor, you can't go wrong with doing it right. Mention Dennis Prager for a discount off your estimate. Call 724-NEW-ROOF for a free project evaluation or visit roofingcontractorpittsburgh.com Today, the majority of children have already been exposed to pornography by age 11. Even though most of this is accidental, this exposure can have disastrous consequences for their mental health and future well-being. If you want to protect your child and set them up to have healthy relationships, you need Canopy. Canopy is the most effective technology on the planet for blocking pornography. 
Canopy's app uses artificial intelligence to identify and filter explicit content on every website. It can do this in milliseconds and is 99.9% accurate. While other apps block entire pages, Canopy is the only tool that filters within websites, plucking out explicit images and videos before they appear. Its image scanning technology also prevents users from taking and sending sexts. The Internet is awash in pornography, but your kids don't have to see it. Head on over to canopy.us forward slash protect to start your 30-day free trial. Enter the promo code PROTECT and get 15% off the regular price for life. As you know, our friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of their lives. And he didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Now Mike has done it again by introducing his My Slippers. This is John Steyerwald. For a limited time, you can save $90 on a pair of My Slippers. And this blowout sale of the year is not going to last long, so order now. Mike has taken over two years to develop. The My Slippers are designed to wear indoor and out all day long. They're made with My Pillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue, and they're made with quality leather suede. Call 1 800 716 8087 and use the promo code STAG or go to mypillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code STAG. Again, this offer will not last long, so order now with promo code STAG at MyPillow.com. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. I didn't get a chance to bring this up with Jeff McCall in our first segment talking about the media, uh, but uh, I am looking right now. You know you know what's going to happen tonight, this, this dog and pony show they're going to put on. Uh, about January 6th, but I'm looking right now at CNN.com, and uh, maybe it's on here and I just can't see it, but I've looked a couple of times today, and I see nothing about Brett Kavanaugh and the, the man who wanted to assassinate him being arrested. Nothing. There's uh, stories in here about um, oh, lots of different things that you would expect, but there's also uh, stuff in here about um, two people being rescued after falling in a tank full of chocolate in Pennsylvania. That made it on here. But not a story about uh, a justice of the Supreme Court, uh, with a, you know, a guy being arrested pretty much in his front yard with a gun and some other weapons. And he was going to he wanted to kill him. So this is where we are with CNN. And uh, they got a new boss over there. Let's see if it changes. I have my doubts. But if you're looking for me tonight, I'll be watching Tucker Carlson or maybe hockey. Talk to you tomorrow. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.